everybody in your Bibles, uh, we're going to read from the book of Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verses, uh, verse 11. Um, I, I really, I really kind of, I, I don't know if it's been a, a staff meeting where I've actually heard as clear and decisively from the Holy Spirit the, the word that he wanted me to bring this morning. So it was, it was actually it was actually quite profound. I, I really felt this because um, the, the, the word that I'm about to bring will, will kind of make everything make sense. It, it kind of make everything make sense. It, it'll help you to understand why, wow, why, why, why does awaken? Why do we get, you know, persecuted? Man, am I, have I, you know, people say, oh, no, you know, you've joined a cult. Like, oh, wow, like I feel so normal. I feel so alive, but... People are so critical. Why do I get shadow banned? Why do I get warned every time I post something that kind of seems true? I just think it's truth, but to them it's controversial and, you know, hate speech. And why do I sometimes feel like I don't fit in? Um, how many people know that you were never meant to fit in? You, you, heaven designed you to stand out, not fit in, but stand out. And, uh, and then sometimes you can look and think, wow, why, why do I not get excited about the same things as the, the world and the people around me, you know, what, what, what's going on? So this should hopefully help it make sense. So Numbers 14, verse 11 says, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs I've performed among them? So what's happened? Numbers 13, God sends 12 spies into the, the promised land. Ten spies come back with a negative bobo report. Two spies come back, positive report, but the ten overwhelm the people. It's an, it's an amazing thing that human beings have a proclivity towards fear, have a proclivity towards believing the worst, have a proclivity towards everything is hopeless, life stacked against me, there's nothing I can do, circumstances are overwhelming, life's not fair, and... There's two, Joshua and Caleb, who are like, what are you guys talking about? If the Lord delights in us, hello, we just opened up a Red Sea. He hasn't left us. He's still with us. Let's go up at once. We're well able to take it. But the Bible says all the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they spoke of stoning Moses and choosing a new leader and going back to Egypt, going back and surrendering, just fitting in with the world, just coexisting, coexisting as slaves rather than fighting for their freedom. There's a word right now. We have a generation, and sadly, too many pastors who would rather coexist as slaves of a, of a, a globalist cabal than fight for freedom. So God is ticked. How long will these people reject me? What about all the signs? I will strike them with the, with the pestilence and disinherit them. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll make of you, Moses, a great nation mightier than they which has got to be you know, pretty touching if you're Moses. But Moses, I love Moses. He's the right leader because he's a selfless leader. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land that they have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able 
to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great. Just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering, abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clears the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, all right, I've pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. How many people know that God is determined that the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord? Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times have not heeded my voice, they will certainly not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But, good news, but my servant, not Moses' servant, not your servant, Caleb, my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites, the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. So the title of my message today is A Different Spirit. A different spirit. If you said to me, you know, what, what, what is Awaken trying to produce? We're trying to produce people that walk with a different spirit. You should, you should walk out of sync with the drumbeat of the culture. You should walk out of alignment with the value system of this perishing world around about you. There should be something distinctly, uniquely different about you. Now, the price of that is you're going to feel at times where you don't fit in. There are times where you're going to feel isolated maybe or even alone. There are going to be times where you feel like, man, I just feel like nobody gets me. And, uh, but that's, that's the price of carrying a different spirit. But, but the fruit of carrying a different spirit is you'll find that God is with you and you'll find that God will bless you, God will elevate you, and God will lead you into inheriting His promises. I would rather be isolated, alone, rejected, mocked, despised, and be inheriting the promises of God, be walking with the smile of heaven on my life, than fitting in with the world but missing out, just perishing in the wilderness like everybody else. I want to inherit what God has for me. For me. So let me give you, I've got five quick thoughts this morning. The first one, first thing about a different spirit is a different spirit is courageous and strong. Having a different spirit is courageous and strong. We have Canadian powerhouses here who are courageous and strong. Nathaniel, they already told me that you're like the Charlie Kirk of Canada. That's what they told me. And, uh, and even Nathaniel, you know, the prophet with David, and there's a prophetic mantle and a prophetic anointing. Um, God, uses, God uses these times to birth the prophetic. All the way through the Bible, the prophetic only rises in dark times. The prophetic, we don't, you hardly ever see the prophetic in good times, but prophets rise in times of darkness, times of uncertainty, times of calamity because the scripture says when, when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord always lifts up a standard against him and that standard is always echoed with the prophetic voice and I believe that your your church your ministry is going to be a prophetic 
sounding of the alarm right around the world, waking people up out of their slumber who would prefer to believe, no, 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 surely governments are not tyrannical. Uh, they're not doing evil. But we know from history, this is a continual cycle. And God is going to use you and use your church, use your incredible husband, your father, to sound the alarm. And he already people are waking up, not just in Canada, but right around the world. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. Do you know in a time of safe spaces... If you need a safe space, then you don't have a different spirit. A different spirit is I don't need no safe space. In fact, people are going to need some safe spaces for the stuff that we're about to, to launch out into. In a world where, where even, even some of our elected leaders and some of the, the pastors that, that we've seen, cowardice, compromise, conformists, you know, weak, just, just they, they prefer to, to coexist with, with wickedness rather than stand up for righteousness and truth. God, God has Caleb's who defy the people. The people even spoke of stoning Caleb. I remember in, in 2020 when, when everything began to, to kind of shut down and lock down and we were you know, trying to navigate, you know, how serious is COVID. And I, I kind of look back and thank God that I was the, one of the first to get COVID. I had my tonsils removed when I was 18. Your tonsils are a filter for, for when um, like flus and viruses come. So I don't have it. So I kind of get hit really hard. So I got hit. I'm like, man, this, this flu virus, man, they get heavier and heavier every, every year. I didn't realize it had been kind of weaponized and manufactured in, in a lab by globalist reductionists like Fauci and Bill Gates, who believe there are too many people on the planet, so let's send a worldwide epidemic. It'll, you know, complete two, two objectives. One, it'll lower the population, and two, it'll allow us to seize more power so we can control. And let me tell you, if they'll do that to get power, once they get power, they won't all of a sudden play nice. If they have no problem wiping out millions of people to get power, you better believe they'll wipe out billions of people once they're in power. That's why it is so important that we stand up and that we resist. That we stand up when we resist. But, but I, 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 noticed, I noticed that, especially for my wife, because my wife, uh, you know, for, every husband will tell you, your, your, your spouse, your bride, your wife is the relational engineer in a marriage. Men, men are very, very mission-focused. Women are very relation-focused. And uh, how do you know that you're not wrong? Why, why is everybody else laying off staff? Why are they taking a 10 to 30% reduction? Because we're about to go into lockdown and shutdown. People are going to be losing their homes and businesses. Why are we the church? Why do we have to be the outlier church of of meeting and meeting indoors and look at the news media and look what they're calling us super spreaders and grandma killers and and haters and and look at these death threats coming through and people want to and and where that church is where that church on the news again not wearing masks not socially distancing meeting inside people coming in and filming our services and and I, we didn't know we we I didn't know all I knew was I just had to stay in step with God. People with a different spirit. So one of, one of, my, one of my prayers, this will this, this, help you. This is kind of like my secret. This is, this is my, my um, 
Spider-Man radioactive spider bite. I pray for this. I pray, God, give me wisdom. And God, give me the courage to do what wisdom tells me. God, give me wisdom. And then God, give me the courage to do what wisdom tells me. God gives, a, God gives uh, everybody access to wisdom. But if you don't act on the wisdom, if you don't put it into place, you'll begin to dull down that because quite often what wisdom tells you, in fact, I've actually found that every time wisdom speaks, it requires courage. Wisdom never goes the easy way. It's never the, the, the low cost, no cost way. Wisdom, when wisdom tells you to do something, you'll always find that there's a heavy price tag attached. But I, I, I know that if, if, if wisdom speaks, then I want to do what, because the Bible says through wisdom a house is built. Through wisdom come riches, honor, and life. So I want to partner up with wisdom. But I found that sometimes what wisdom tells me requires courage on the inside. So I pray for those two things. God, give me wisdom. And God, give me courage. Can somebody say amen? They say that, they say that for, for evil to thrive, you know, good men, righteous men need do nothing. But kind of as, I, as I've looked around, I kind of feel like it's, it's another, it's an, there's another layer to that. I found that it's not just good men doing nothing. It's good men choosing self-preservation over risking their life, over laying down their life. Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But, but how many of the prophets, remember when Elijah said, I alone am left, and then Obadiah meets him and says, what are you talking about? You know, I've, I've, say, I've, I've hidden a hundred prophets. I saved their lives. And there's 50 in this cave and there's 50 in that cave. That you, you're not alone. There's, there's a hundred other prophets beside you. You're wrong, Elijah. Elijah, his next prayer to God is, I alone am left. Why did he ignore the intel? Because they, there might have been a hundred prophets, but they weren't prophesying. They were hidden in a cave being fed bread and water. They didn't want to speak. They didn't want to prophesy because they didn't want to locate themselves because they were afraid of Jezebel. So they went back in. And we had so many pastors, so many leaders, so many prophetic voices. That's why I thank God for your dad, your husband. Thank God that he spoke up. You know, his, his arrest was went right around the world. People saw the injustice and it woke people up to, to the wickedness that is going on. But, but I refuse to raise up a church where our number one goal is, hey, we don't, no, we don't you know, Roe v. Wade, we, we don't celebrate that. We just want to be the church that's always trying to find the middle. We don't want to offend anybody. No, we have to come out and stand for righteousness. We have to stand for truth. We have to stand for justice. We have to call out sin, as unpopular as it is. We stand for what the Bible says. When we get to heaven, I trust me, when you get to heaven, the closer that you and I stood in to be succinct with the Word of God, the greater the glory in heaven. The more that you and I compromise the Word of God to fit in the world, the more ashamed you and I will be in heaven. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, if you're ashamed of me in this wicked and perverse generation, let me tell you, let me tell you what will happen. When you stand before the angels and my father, we'll end up being ashamed of you. And heaven is a heck of a lot longer than, than earth. Eternity is a, he a heck of a lot longer. So I would, I would rather be shamed out down here, but be, have, walk in glory for all eternity up there, 
than have you accepted down here but carrying shame for all eternity up there. Somebody say amen. But that's, that's, that's what you've got to do. You can't just, oh, well, you know, they said no. Or even, you know, just sucking the thumb. Well, you know, the, it's the persecution. That, no, let's fight. Let's be the generation that fights. All right, number two. Number two is there is no they, it's you. Last week was probably one of the most profound pathfinders I think I've been to. And all of them are brilliant. All of them are brilliant. But Jeff Hoffman was just incredible. People, people were dumbfounded afterwards when, they, when we told him, no, no, he lives in Florida. He's not an awakened church. They're like, no, no, he's, he's, he, surely he's awakened church. Everything he said was so congruent with who we are. So he, he was watching the evening news and they had a program or they had a news break where they were showing that one of the downtown shelters, home, uh, shelters for battered women had to shut down because they were now, they'd run out of money. And they were four months behind on their mortgage payment. And so they were going to be foreclosed on and evicted. And so one of the ladies, when she was interviewed, said that she's very, very fearful because if she doesn't have this place as a refuge and she has to go out onto the street, her husband might find her and he beat her many times, broke many, many bones, broke her ribs, put her in hospital several times. She feared that maybe he would find her and kill her this time. And now for the evening sports. And he's like, what? what, what how can you just, the same reporter, and now let's look at the, the sport results. And so he said, somebody's got to do something. They, 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 they need to make this right. And then he realized, he looked in the mirror and he realized there is no they. There is no they. There's just you. So he wrote on a, a message and it's, it sits on his mirror to this day. There is no they, only you. I honestly believe that if, you know, because we can say, well, you know, they need to defeat the globalists and they need to stop the, you know, they need to clean up the voter fraud and they need to, to you know, get rid of CRT in schools and they need to teach our young people. They need to bring Christian values back. Replace they with, with. there is no they, it's up to us. If we don't fight, it all turns to custard, but it's up to us. It's, up to, it's, a, it's an amazing thing because we can make excuses. Whenever, whenever you have they, it's an excuse. Well, you know, they need to do something, and it's just an excuse. No, 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 we do something. We do something, and we do more than whining. We do more than whining. I remember, I remember in the middle of 2020, Pastor John Ortiz and Pastor Jesse, the, uh, the project for um, San Marcos blew out by over $10 million, which is a significant blowout. It's kind of significant. And we had to keep going to, we had to keep going back to uh, the Wesleyan financial guys and say, hey, it, this just blew out. We have to replace the roof, $3 million. We've got to, you know, strengthen all the walls. We've got to redig the footings. We've got to report the footings. We've got to report. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. It was just comic. And then right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, uh, we, get, we get asked by a very beautiful uh, older gentleman in our church who, because of his age and deteriorating eyesight, can no longer manage and can no longer look after the orphanages that he started in Baja, Mexico. And so he asked us 
could we, could we take it? And so we sent our team down there and they, they said, you know, it could be, you know, three, four hundred thousand, you know, a year. But there's all these, you know, people who are sponsoring and, you know, and we find out that it needs about half a million dollars just to just to get it kind of operating properly again. And then it's at least half a million dollars a year to run it. So I felt God say, take it. And I'm like, God, your timing is lousy. You know that God lives in eternity because he has no concept of time. His timing is dreadful. And so, God, we are asking Wesleyan for an extra 10 million because we're trying to open San Marcos. And you're saying, take on the burden of these orphanages. It'll set you back another million. <laughs> I wish it was pesos, but it wasn't. So, so in that time, in that moment, thank God that, that here we don't walk in the spirit of the age. We don't walk in the spirit of the world. Because if, if, if I walked in the spirit of this world, I, I, could, I could on paper absolutely legitimize and explain to you, listen, we had to let those, those orphans starve. We, we had to let them... Because, you know, we, we were in this building project. And, and, you know, our God isn't that big. You blew out by 10 million. And already God's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. God will always test you with inconvenience. He'll always. Can I tell you, when, when obedience meets inconvenience, blessing is released from heaven. Anybody can be obedient when it's convenient. But when it's inconvenient, God will test your obedience. But it's the key that unlocks blessing. So we said yes. We said yes. I remember even before that, a couple of years before that, saying yes to Salt Lake City. And again, we were right in the middle of building projects where every dollar counted and I had to come. That's why I know that Jesse's a warrior because the, I, I present to Jesse. I, 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 I'm like, God, please, can I tell Jesse something positive? I think yesterday was the first time I sat with Jesse and gave him some good news. You know, every other time it's Jess, Jeff, <laughs> Jesse. Here's another thing that God, and, and he just smiles. He just, he, He's got great faith. He is, he is the centurion. He is the warrior. He is the general Jesse Sullivan. Because he's phased by nothing. He, he, he doesn't go to the rational. He immediately goes to the spiritual. And he just believe, believes God. So, so we, and now, you know, Salt Lake City, we, we, we get given a building. Well, we buy a building the, 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 uh, it was the Noah's Event Center. It was valued at between 12 and 14 million. We got it for 6 million. And, uh, you know, it's just an extraordinary facility. That church has just exploded three full services on a Sunday. They, they're having to con contemplate right now either do we do a fourth service or do we, um, uh, you know, look for another location. I mean, that's, they're good problems to have because they don't have enough room. But it was all because God was testing obedience with inconvenience. Obedience with convenience doesn't release the blessing. But obedience with inconvenience, 
There's no they, it's you. And it's never convenient. It's never convenient when God is calling you. We always want to say, well, it's they because God right now, the timing's not right. But I'm telling you, if you can just let obedience and inconvenience collide, you'll release blessing. All right, number three. People with a different spirit follow heaven's lead. They follow heaven's lead. I remember when, when, we, when we came to San Diego, I reached out and I met a number of different pastors from different denominations and churches. And I wanted to be kind. I wanted to, I felt like God was sending us to be a blessing in San Diego. So I, I got them all on like a, on a text thread and I just said, hey, listen, um, I, I, don't, I don't want to tread on your toes, but I know that what God has called us here to do will be significant. And so I want to be a blessing. So tell me, tell me, where, where can I go? Literally, like, remember when Abraham and Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. You choose. I said, you know, should, if you'd say go south, I'll go south. And so they said, oh, yeah, you should go south. You should go down National City, Chula Vista. So I said, okay, done. Well, the next day I get an, another text message. Oh, no, 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 actually, you need to go north. You need to go Carlsbad to Oceanside. That's, that's the place. So I'm like, oh, so, all right, okay, so I'll go. And then the next day is another one. Oh, no, 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 actually, you need to go, you need to go uh, inland. You need to look at, like, Valley Center. And, and then the next day, there was another one. But I'm, the Holy Spirit came to me, and he said, the biggest mistake that the wise men made, the most unwise thing that the wise men did was took their eyes off their heavenly lead and began to ask the locals for directions. Because they asked the locals for directions, tens of thousands of little babies were slaughtered. Tens of thousands of little boys were murdered, were lost, because they took their eyes off what heaven was saying and started asking the locals for directions. So, so we, we are the, the generation that have a different spirit because we follow heaven's lead. We don't ask. We don't take a, a thermostat. We don't take a poll. We don't do this. Well, what's the, what's the most popular choice? What's the choice that we can make that is the most popular with our people? What's the most popular choice that we can make among our congregants? No, no, no. What we do is we have a different spirit. When heaven says go right, we go right. When heaven says go left, go left. When heaven says preach this, we preach it. When heaven, when heaven says stand for this, we stand for that. We made a decision that what we want to do is we want to stand for truth and righteousness. So we follow heaven's. Here's my beautiful Leanne. You got a flat tire on the freeway? How did they change it? Rick's out there. God bless Rick. Rick is just amazing. <clears throat> All right, moving really quickly. I've got two, two left in four minutes. Okay, number four, people with a different spirit reflect heaven's values unashamedly. So when we got in, not only did we not ask the locals for directions, but when the locals started telling me what, what we should and shouldn't preach and what we should and shouldn't stand for, I just... So one of the things that, that Jeff Hoffman said at Pathfinders last week, he says, there is no shame in making money, only shame in not using it to help others. When he said that, I'm like, OMG, you are so awakened, church. 
the number one area, Jesse, isn't it? The number one area we get constantly persecuted is, oh, down at that awakened church, they just preach that prosperity gospel. I sat with the pastor and he was trying to tell me that you preach the gospel for gain. And I'm like, what part of the Bible do you not read? Godliness for gain. It's like the Bible says, if you do these things, these blessings will overtake you. But if you fail to do these things, these curses will come upon you. I've said before you, life, death, blessing, cursing, choose this day. I'm like, okay, I want to choose godliness because I want to gain blessing. I don't want to choose ungodliness because I don't want to gain cursing. But there are people that, and they attack us. And so I used to try to deflect and I'm like, no, I'm going to double down. Because if that's where they're attacking, that must be what triggers the devil. Let me tell you, we are here to trigger the devil. We are here to trigger the devil. May I just say to you that in heaven, when we get to heaven, there may be a brief moment where I'll be absent. Just, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes. Because when we get to heaven, I'm going to ask God if I can just have just maybe five minutes, 10 minutes alone with the devil. And what I want to do is I want to grab him by his horns, snap off his horns, stick him in his ears and ride him around like a motorbike. Just, just, just to, just, and I, I've, I've got an honest feeling that God will let me. He'll go. Come on, anybody else hate the devil? The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. So, so when the devil says, don't preach prosperity, don't preach blessing, don't preach, you know, that your, your church should increase. Absolutely. You better believe we preach prosperity with purpose. Prosperity with purpose. Here, you, you, you find that every week we teach giving. Well, what happens if your people get rich and, you know, they, they get all self-indulgent? Well, it's very simple. Every single freaking service, the thing that triggers you is it? oh, why are they going to talk about giving? Why are they going to talk about tithes? Not everything. It, because that's the way to keep you safe. God has no problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. He has no problem with you producing wealth. He has a problem with wealth stealing and captivating your heart. And the greatest way to keep wealth in the place where it's meant to be in your life is through being generous towards God, honoring the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase, seeing that you are blessed. Come on, somebody, to be a blessing. We were able to open San Marcos, which was a miracle, in the middle of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, our largest building, our largest seating capacity, when all the churches had no attendance. I mean, I, I talked to somebody at the beginning of this year, and they said, man, how are you doing? We're doing really good. We're back to about 30% of where we were in 2020. And I said, I, please don't ask me. They're like, no, no, tell me. Are you guys similar? I'm like, I don't want to tell you. And they're like, no, no, tell us. I said, we're probably at about 200%. They're like, what? I said, we grew through 2020. We grew through 2021. But even more than that, even more than that, because we had a different spirit, the testimonies of people who were, who, who one guy who just two weeks ago got baptized, who had an overdose, died of an overdose, was dead for 11 minutes, and then was getting baptized with his daughter because of that church. The amount of people set free from addiction, the amount of people whose marriages were on the rocks. One gentleman put a gun to his head, pulled the trigger and the bullet got jammed, put, dislodged that bullet, put a fresh one in the chamber, put it in his mouth, pulled the trigger and the bullet got jammed again. Phone rings, you gotta come to this church, son. I went to this, comes to church and gets saved. I'm just, I mean, it's just, 
because we had a different spirit, we stood in defiance of tyranny. We walk with heavenly eyes. We walk with heavenly purpose. We walk with... Okay, and the last one, number five, number five, oh shoot, number five, is people with a different spirit carry a heavenly vision. They carry a heavenly vision. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph dreams a dream. How many people know that it's, it's kind of free to dream a dream? Come on, how many people know you don't have to kind of put money into a, into a slot machine to get a dream? Dreams are free. Dreams come free. But the walking out, the sharing of the dream, ooh. Joseph shares his dream and his brothers revile him. His brothers persecute. The Bible says, and his brothers could not speak peaceably to him. You little punk. And bitterness grew in their heart while the dream of God grew in Joseph's heart. Dreams absolutely come for free. But the price of walking in a heavenly dream, it'll cost you everything. But I love Joseph because he has a different spirit. He dreams again. He's courageous. He's bold. He dreams again. And this time, the dream is elevated. Instead of the sheaves bowing down, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to him. And now he's papa. His daddy rebukes him. And says, what is this dream? That, do you really think your mother and I will one day bow down before you? Little does he know that because one day his father would bow before him, it would be because God has used this man, Joseph, to save and preserve the entire nation of Israel from perishing in the worst famine ever to hit the Middle East. Joseph had a dream and he carried a heavenly vision. When he, when he was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold to the Ishmaelites, taken down to, to Egypt, put on the dais, sold to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife was fed up with her husband's infidelities. So she decides, I've got a slave boy who's quite good looking. I'm going to get my own back with my husband. And Joseph, the Bible says, refuses to lie with her. In fact, he rebukes her. And he says, sweetheart, your husband has trusted me with everything in the house. There is nothing in this house that he looks into. He trusts me implicitly. The only thing he has withheld from me is you. Because you are his wife. Therefore, I will not sin against your husband, nor will I sin against God and do this great wicked thing. Now, here's the thing. The penalty in Egypt for adultery for a woman is death. So that means she was not going to tell anybody. The Bible says she put everybody out of the house. Nobody was in the house. She was offering Joseph, who's about 18 years of age. At 18, he has more testosterone than developed self-control. At 18, his testosterone is high and his self-control, he's learning how to control the, the engine rumbling under the hood. He's learning how to control it. Here is a woman, and she would have been attractive because all of the officials got to choose from the, the most beautiful women to be their wives. 
She would have been attractive. She is offering him sex, no strings attached. Nobody would know about it. But because he carried a heavenly vision, he wasn't living for congruent with the world's values. He was able to say no to the immediate because he had a yes to God. He said, the price that I've paid and the, this, this, is the, this is not the dream that God gave me. This, is, this may look like a dream, but it'll end up being a nightmare because I'm congruent. I'm carrying a heavenly vision. I'm carrying a heavenly dream in my heart. This is not, what's really interesting, if you have a look, did you know Joseph got married and he had two kids? What was his wife's name? His wife was the daughter of Potipharah, priest of Egypt. Potiphar, executioner, wife offers herself. Joseph says no. But Potipharah, the priest, he marries a woman with godly convictions. He marries that God never say yes to the immediate. Never say yes to immediate gratification. Walk with a heavenly vision. If it doesn't line up with a heavenly vision, if it doesn't line up with God's best, say no. <laughs> say no to it. Walk with heavenly vision. Walk with heavenly conviction. Man, I've got a few more thoughts, but we are way out of time. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events. And you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.